With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive of rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Monday's Terrace Podcast. I'm Graham Phyllis and today I'm joined by Craig Anderson. Hi Graham, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Uh, apologies if you hear noise in the background, but there's a man currently fitting windows to my house. I had windows before, but they were shit, so I'm getting some new ones. Uh, so apologies I'm glad, if you hear any... <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that you hadn't been living in a windowless property for, uh, for, for what, two years since you've moved there? Motherwell's tough living, mate. Tough, tough living. Um, nonetheless, we have had a, a full card of Premiership action this weekend. So what we'll do is we'll blast through the six games and, and, and chat a little bit about each of them as we normally do on a Monday. Now, let, let's start off with, with one of the biggest results of the weekend. And it's very important that we're very careful to um, highlight, first of all, that St Mirren are going through what might be the, their best season in 30 years, which season uh, currently in eighth position, which is good on them. And it's it's important that we're not in any way negative about St Mirren Football Club because people might get quite upset about that. So, I mean, yeah, as I say, the, the best uh, St Mirren side in 30 years uh, lost 2-1 to Hamilton Ackies uh, at home on Saturday as well, which as, as part of a triumvirate of terrible results for the Kelly Craig, um, that, wasn't the, that wasn't really the result you were looking for, but certainly the one that Ackies were looking for. Yeah, I think I think the thing I know from this current bottom six is that you can't rely on any of the other teams to get your result because I think for both the flaky and or none of them that very good. So it's it was I think you can't go around relying on other teams to get you the results. And I think we saw that. I mean, um Dundee United um both of these games just they, they seem to have gone, um, even though they're in a cup semi-final, likewise St. Mirren haven't been playing well, so I, it didn't really surprise me that Aki's went out and won this game. I, I thought it would maybe be a draw because they, they like drawing, but um, 
it didn't really surprise me when I saw it, when I saw them kind of racing into that lead. Um, it, it felt inevitable. There definitely was going to be more twists in in this uh, in this relegation battle. And to be fair to the Mackies, I think they've they've been an okay team since January. I don't think that you know they were awful in the first half of the season, but I, I think since January you'd probably argue they're, they're the third worst team with with Kelly and um, and Ross County having been behind them in that respect. So. It's good that it's good from their point of view that they've actually probably got the win that I think some of their other performances maybe deserved before now, um, and it's come at the perfect time for them because it sets up. They, they've now got these two games against against Kelly and County, and, and they pre- I think they pretty much know if they win both of them, they'll, they'll basically be safe. I don't expect them to win both games, but they've given themselves the the possibility of doing it, um, and. Yeah, a thoroughly a thoroughly deserving victory. I thought they were they were part, perhaps aided by some some pretty poor defending um, on St. Benedict's part and some poor goalkeeping actually uncharacteristically. But on the whole, you have to say um, it, it was a really nice performance. It's, it felt kind of a, watching the highlights and then watching a little bit more of the game. Um, I think on multiple occasions this season, I think just about every single one of us has gone. Do you know what? Cammy McPherson looks like a real player. He looks like a really, really sensible and good player for St. Mirren, and and we wish we saw more of him. And then we saw more of him um, twisting and turning on the ball in the middle of the park and giving the ball away. Um, and the finish on that. What? How are we? Are we? Are we crediting David Moyo on that, or are we? Well, whatever you say, I'm I'm going to either back it up or disagree with you, depending I, on which way you want to go. I I think he he knows the balls there and he tries to do something. Whether he, whether he wants to very deftly put it into that corner, which is the only bit that, that's out out of the reach of the keeper, I don't know. But he, he doesn't it doesn't hit off him. He does react to it. It's not. It's there were there were goals scored this weekend. Or sorry, it wasn't this weekend. I was thinking very specifically of Chris Kane's goal last weekend, where. He didn't know much about it and it just bounced off him. I think Moyo does it does react to the ball. I, I don't know that he tries what ha- happens. And what your take is. My my feeling is that I've I've always quite liked David Moyo, Moyo as a as an Aki centre forward. I know he's not massively popular within the Aki support, given that he does lack quality. Um and that there's uh, there's there's no other way to put it really. I think he's what you do get out of him kind of similar to Callahan in a lot of ways is it more than anything else out of David Moyo he puts a shift in for, and I, I realise that sounds like really sort of damning with faint praise but he's relentless throughout the game uh, and particularly in this game as well he looked right on it in terms of do you know see if I'm like, even if I'm not involved in setting up goals or scoring goals and then he was I'm just going to do absolutely I'm going to run myself into the ground here which again Again, it sounds very dismissive of Ross Callahan and saying that as well, and I, I, don't, I really don't mean it to be. It's, it's a real sort of praise of their attitude more than anything else, and that both of them this game were just absolutely relentless on top of St Mirren, and saw that we'll talk about that a little bit in the Dundee United game coming up as well. Um, but it certainly felt like the attitude more than anything else was there for Hamilton Aki's, and on a day when St Mirren's attitude simply just wasn't there um, they just didn't they didn't offer a huge amount and particularly the centre forwards it was it was notable that in the last sort of half an hour when Lee Irwin came on Irwin put in a better performance in half an hour than two players previously had put in over 60 minutes so he, he was he looked like he was trying to turn the game and he offered vastly more than the other two had Dennis in, in bits and pieces had looked like a reasonable player he scored some really nice goals Quainer, I have to hold my hands up and say I've not seen a huge amount, but it wasn't particularly impressive at the weekend either. Um, 
but I thought Erwin was very good for St Mirren when he came on McGrath got his goal with again a very Jimmy McGrath sort of break of the ball and just absolutely lashing it into the net in a very satisfying way but I do agree I, I think Hamilton Aki's were, were well deserving of the, of the three points for missing they could bring themselves back into contention on a, on a weekend which and again we'll talk about it when we get to the Kelly game a little bit as well it felt like a really sort of key weekend in, in the relegation battle while this weekend wouldn't have decided anything I don't think um, it would have made it very, very challenging going into the last couple of games. Yeah, I think I think the thing for for me, you, you touched on that that attitude and that desire. And I think when you are a team who has everything at stake and you're up against a team who've got nothing to play for, you just want to go straight out of the box and just be aggressive and basically tell, make them shit themselves and be like, Samirin and Dundee United of Scottish Cup semi-finals coming up next weekend. So County and Aki's both did the right thing of saying, right, we're going to be aggressive, we're going to get in your faces straight away and a lot of these guys will start thinking, I don't know if I want to get injured here and, yeah. and it's something I think I think Kelly failed to do against Mullerwell obviously Mullerwell less at stake they, they, they don't have a cup semi-final to look forward to just, just as we don't, which we're both very bitter about but um, the, the there is that difference but I think it's what Kelly's performance missed compared to the other two and talking about Lee Irwin, I think that, that's been pretty much him since, since he left Mullerwell right? because he, he played he starts games and he, and he doesn't do enough and then you you start to kind of write him off and then you bring him on as a sub and he changes games or he plays well or he does something good and then you're like, oh yeah, maybe there is a player there and it seems to be in that cycle um, with him. But but no, I, I kind of agree with you and I think Hamilton, Hamilton are the perfect team when you're looking for design. It's why, you know, you can, you can take the piss and say, you know, you know, cockroaches and all of that stuff, but they are a team that is well set for this pressure situation. They've got the right type of players to deal with it when the pressure's on. They know how to, how to kind of pull out performances and they know how to grind out points and they know how to get points through, not necessarily through quality, but through um, through desire. Although, having said that, I thought actually uh, the quality of Callaghan's finish was, was probably a little bit underrated. I think it, it's, it's not that easy to put in. First, first off, it looks like he's just a swung a leg at it. But then again, looking back at it, he's done exactly what he's meant to do. He's put it where somebody else can't get it, which is that's not swinging a leg at it. That's being quite deft in what you're doing. And and I think as as we've talked about plenty of times, if if they get out of this a bit, he's going to play a big part in that. You know, okay, a lot of penalties, but but some of these other goals that he scored, and he's scoring them at the important times. He's scoring winners. He's scoring equalizers. He's scoring goals that put them ahead and. That's what happened there. And, and I think it, the, the, the match kind of hinges on that. Um, Christian Dennis has a chance, you know, early on. My feeling is if St Mirren go one nothing up at that point, probably probably they win because Hamilton, when they go behind, don't necessarily win many games. But when when that's that's kind of... I wouldn't even say it was a poor effort, but it's, it's, it should do better. And then, you know, it's not that long later that, that, that Aki's going to the lead. So it feels... yeah. At this point of the season, it's fine margins and there's not any of this, you know, it'll cancel itself out later in the season. There isn't a later in the season. You just got to get the points, whatever happens. And it, it sets up a, it sets up a fascinating, like, um, little mini round of game, like two two games in the space of kind of quick quick succession, kind of next midweek and weekend. And I, I wouldn't know how to predict this, to be honest at all. It's... Uh... The way that the the way that the season is ending as well is a very I find it very confusing to try and judge where anybody is because of the Scottish Cup 
updates dropped in as well. Um, it feels like there's been about three Premiership games over about a month and a half period. Um, which oh, is actually they, not not actually that far off the truth, to be honest. Oh no, uh, Alexander won Manager of the Month, and I was like, I don't remember Motherwell like winning that many games, and then it was like, no, everybody only played two games, and he won both of them, one nil, and that was one, that was enough. Didn't, didn't, didn't concede, didn't concede a goal, um, and so it, it, is, it has been a bit like that, and I don't know. I don't know whose favour that played into. I, I think we talked about this a long time ago that, that Aki's and um, County both went out of the Scottish Cup early and so they've had a lot of rest. Kelly have been playing a lot of games and, and to me, and I still think it's a case that it's worked in Kelly's favour because it gave Tommy Wright the chance to, you know, get a team playing playing how they wanted to play while the other teams were kind of... I think, I think you look at what's happening in like League 1 and League 2 and they're probably playing too many games in a space of time, but I think there is the opposite to say that, that I would have said maybe Aki's and, and Hamilton hadn't been playing enough games. And, and that they might kind of be, you know, not not as sharp. But but again, we didn't see that. So what do I know? Yeah. And again, Aki seemed to have a, a, a list of mile long of injuries as well. So I think even just getting one or two bodies back. Um, and that's been the, the case all day long. Um, just a final shout out as well. I thought Jamie Hamilton was very good in this game as well. I know Hamilton is very, or seems to be one of these sort of young centre-halves that's quite highly rated. And on the sort of half an hour periods that you get to see him before he gets put off he generally looks okay um, unfortunately the guy, he, he seems to find himself in some very awkward positions but I thought uh, against St Miller again he was very good as well so yeah so we'll, we'll move on to the, the second of the, the triumvirate of terrible games for Kilmarnock uh, which is Dundee United nil Ross County 2 um, where we saw um, apparently Jordan White is uh, uh, once again turning at prime yard and collar um, and County had the game won within half an hour um, United looked absolutely disinterested in being there uh, which again I, I entirely understand on a season for Dundee United which has been very much I, I know United fans have possibly expected a little bit more um, but given how and I know they've said this before as well but given how they've been over the last few seasons and the mess that they've been in at various points through being in the championship um, the series of managers again which they've gone through again fine that some of them were circumstanced some of them were, were just bad decisions they've had a, a fairly sensible, uninteresting, unexciting Premiership season, which has seen them very comfortably safe and into a Scottish Cup semi-final. Um, and from the player perspective, I can also kind of see, like, do you know what, we're safe, we've been safe for weeks now. Do we want to go out against this team of uh, Highland Giants and get in a fight with them? No, I don't. I want to go and play in the Scottish Cup semi-final at the weekend. Um, would I be delighted if I was a United fan? Probably not. Um, because I've always, like, certainly I, I always take the view that when you get to the Scottish Cup, and I know it's a, an odd season that the Scottish Cup has been contra- compressed in about what about a three-week period. You don't want to be spending a bunch of time losing games um, in the top six or bottom six. And and I speak from experience of seeing Motherwell do it twice of just not turning up in the sp- post-split games and then expected trying to turn re- re- return after the after them to play in a semi-final or a final and just not quite managing it because you've not kicked a ball in weeks. Um, so I was a little bit surprised, um, but similarly, that seems to be kind of United season to date. Um, Ross County, on the other hand, um, very, very good, um, yeah. very, 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 very energetic, very, very aggressive in everything they were doing. Uh, whether it was set pieces, whether it was attacking um, United in possession, there was a like a five minute period where the ball was Mehmet had it for United he was playing out to centre halves and full backs who were then just clipping it forward only to be met by a Ross County defender heading it back in and, and going to contest it and they played out about a 5-10 minute period of the game um, 
a team which has been reasonably fragile defensively, Ross County played out a five, ten minute period where the ball just barely entered their half, which at this stage in the season when you need a result is absolutely brilliant for them. Yeah, they, they, they just, uh, we talked, it's pretty much, it was pretty much the same game as the St Mirren one in terms of like, they, they, they came out, they, they fairly quickly built up the lead and, and probably, you know, in fact, definitely United were even less dangerous than, than Aki's had been. So you're talking about a Ross County team that hadn't, hadn't won in five games, had, hasn't won a lot of games to be honest in um, in the probably the last kind of three months but they showed up and again it's about showing up and, and it's it's what you've got you've got characters that show up when it matters and Jordan White for all the criticism we can have about his style of play or, or his um, you know his, his ability he's a guy that you can you know if you want a performance if you want a big game he's a guy you can pin you know you can you can guarantee you will put in a shift and they've got a lot of players like that in their team, um, Ross County, and that's, you know, they've maybe got some players who aren't like that as well, but you've got a guy who's going to lead your line, who is absolutely going to come off that park with bruises and going to come off that park, you know, with, with torn, torn strip and all of that kind of cliched stuff. And when you're playing against um, that that Dundee United centre-half pairing, which is quite fragile at the best of times, um, you're going to get joy out of that, and, and you saw that, and, and it probably wasn't a surprise that it was, it was, you know, it was him and Yakovite with the goals and, and the type of goals that they scored. Um, and again, when you've not got pro- probably the second or third best goalkeeper in the league, and you're replacing him with a a guy who was barely championship standard, probably was a second choice in the championship, pretty much when when he played in that level, you are going to see the drop off. And, and while I, I'm not kind of pointing the finger at Mehmet Freyler with those goals I feel like potentially Seagrass saved the second one at least um, so that, there's just all of these little things that add up to a Ross County win and, and again they've they've got they've got it all in their own hands now they know you know go and win the last two games and we're safe we're, we're staying up completely and I don't think they expected to be in that position um, when when the, the games finished last week because I don't think I don't think they would I expected to get back above Kelly in the table so quickly, and and yet there they are, and and you you can't really ask for better. Well, you can ask for better than you didn't win your last two games. You could only need to win one of them, or not need to win any of them. But you know what I mean? They, they've given themselves that opportunity that they just need to go out and beat a Hamilton team that are bottom of the league for a reason, and they have to beat a Motherwell team who'll be on on their holidays in order to stay up. And I don't think I don't think they'll win both games, but they've given themselves the chance to do it. I, I, I said the exact same thing. I don't expect either Ross County or Hamilton to win their final two games. I think I think all three teams will drop points still, but you want it in your own hands and you want to know that yeah. you can just go out and win those games and be safe rather than having to, you know, have the, have the radio on and be paying attention to what's going on elsewhere. I'm just absolutely delighted that um, the, the the recurring nightmare I had of Jermaine Hilton crossing to Jordan White with three minutes to go against Ross County in order to save Ross County and put Motherwell in the playoffs or relegate them um, will not be coming true. Um, because, I mean, you're absolutely right on White as well. For a guy who I, I realised I was fairly scathing of throughout the start of the season, it wasn't for a lack of effort from him. He would throw himself at things. He would try his very best, but it just didn't come off. And that's it's, it's, it's a tale as old as time, essentially, of just not quite fitting at a particular place, moving on and, and getting on with things. So, yeah, to play him, um, a, a huge result. Um, both of those absolutely huge results. Uh, I think... For- 
I think the thing to point out is like we've not been able to talk much about these games because I actually think neither of the games were very interesting because of the circumstances in which the leads came about. The 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 team went into the lead early on. The other team, the the, the teams who went behind, didn't have the same desperation to get back that they may always have, and and it, it did kind of descend a little bit into a fairly predictable and and, and fairly uninteresting both of them games. So yeah. We're talking about the general relegation situation because actually, and I think this is true for nearly every game this weekend. To be honest, not that much interesting happened. Like the 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 stories were interesting. There's lots of drama about it. So it's if it, those games were yeah, live, probably, interesting. Yeah, you'd be gripped by it if it was live, and you know, and you're watching, um, you know, you're watching the last ten minutes of some and try to get back into a game against Hamilton or whatever it is. But kind of to try and give a commentary on what happened when when they didn't get back into it. Well. Not very much, to be honest, and and that's just the way that um that both both Mirren and sorry both Hamilton and Ross County would like it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, so we'll, we'll move on to a game that both of us definitely saw the the full ninety. Well, I definitely saw the full ninety off. Maybe you didn't. Um, as uh, Kilmarnock came across at Fir Park, um, where Motherwell seem to have figured out how to play football once again, which is good with three three games to go and. Uh, Kilmarnock seemed to be struggling a little bit, but it's it's okay because Tommy Wright will, will Tommy Wright would be the right appointment over uh, Graham Alexander, who would have been a joke of an appointment. So that's fine, that's fine. Um, yeah, Kelly went right back to the awfulness of the start of the season, but we certainly are, I think, a possibly a poorest performance or a second poorest performance since Wright, Wright took over. I think the the debacle up in Dingwall, which might be the thing that ultimately sends us down, is probably worse, but. Our away record is a big concern um, in the league. Just I think that's six six defeats in a row away from home. Given that next week or in two weeks' time, we've got a big away game that, that's potentially yeah. going to be the one that you know we have to go and win to try and stay up or whatever it may be. It was not a not a good performance, and Motherwell were thoroughly the better team. Kelly had chances. I think that a couple of chances. You know, the, the one that Lafferty has that, that kind of, well, the one that he, he pulls at an excellent save from from Kelly, and also the one that kind of deflects agonisingly wide. Um, you know, it, it kind of deflects, and it's one of those that's going in like slow motion, and you're watching it. Is it going to trickle inside the post? And, and it didn't. But on the whole, um, Muller will deserve to win. Devante Cole was tremendous. Um, we. He, he can be an inconsistent player. I think that's what Motherwell have probably got in terms of forwards. They've got three incredibly talented, but also quite frustrating forwards in, in Cole, Long and Watt. If all three of those were ever able to click for a sustained period of time, you'd probably be talking about the sort of Higgs and Murphy Sutton days or whatever, or whichever combination of guys played at that time. They didn't play all together, but you know what I mean. Um, the, the the sort of Stuart McCauley of having that front three that you just were, were desperate to watch. They haven't always done it, but when when any combination of them play well, Mullerwell are a very difficult team to beat. And and that's what we saw. And the thing for me was, yeah, you can point fingers defensively, certainly, and, and it's been the problem all, all through our season or all through the last while, actually. has been Mullerwell found it far too easy to walk through the middle of um, Kelly's team to get that first goal. And, and it's funny that the thing, when, when Alex Dyer was the manager, Kelly were too stodgy and didn't create enough chances in Tommy Wright's had to essentially make the decision to take that handbrake off a little bit to commit more players forward. But the downside of that is like consistently we are so wide open and um, one, once uh, Motherwell got the ball back, it was so easy to just kind of drive through the middle. 
And then I think Rossi doesn't react quickly enough to, to the ball kind of falling there. And he is nowhere near fast enough to get out to try and block the, the shot. And so it's a kind of cavalcade of errors yet again. Um, every single goal, or not every single goal, but a lot of goals that Kelly have conceded over the last, well, over the whole season, to be honest, have been so avoidable. And then it brought us round to the the other thing, which is that this season, I can't think of a single situation where we've snatched a point from a game. So when, when it went to 1-0, I wasn't expecting anything other than what happened to happen. It, we feel like a team that if we go into the lead, we can go and win 4-0. Um, you know, which we've done a few times, we've absolutely battled teams, but I, I don't think we've, I don't think we've gained a single point from the top of my head in the last ten minutes of a game, for example, and that's really worrying. Um, when you, you get to this point in the season, especially when, when it's something that Tommy Wright's St Johnston teams were, were, were pretty famed for. They, they did grind out a lot of points like that. From a moral point of view, like you would, you would struggle to you, you look right through that team and say like everyone played pretty well. I, I thought like considering I think the last three times Kelly have played Motherwell, I would say we've been by far the better team, and Motherwell have not looked up to much. But this one, um, it was it was very clear that Motherwell were, were a level above in terms of ability. Yeah, it's it. We really seem to have a we a we run a form. I think it's I'm right to say that since Alexander took over, we're actually top of the form table, which is. For a side which at the time has been stodgy and been quite dull. Um, and again, Alexander is manager of the month. The whole thing has felt just a little bit surreal. And I don't think we've been particular. at no point I've really felt we've been particularly good. I thought this game up until about 40 minutes in, it kind of felt like it was a fairly even game with decent chances for, for both sides. And then it just felt like Motherwell kind of took control a little bit as well. Um, as, and like you say, as, as soon as Motherwell scored, felt super comfortable about the remainder of the game. Um, it's, we have very little to play for other than a collection of the guys will be playing to keep a contract or to stay at Motherwell to get a contract elsewhere, which uh, there's a reason to play in that respect. Um, somebody's got to play. So if you're going to, if you if you want to make a living, then you need to keep playing for the rest of the season. And uh, there was a, a, a positive chat about Devante Cole staying on at Motherwell and signing a new contract, which even if it's just for a year, and we get a year out of Devante Cole, and be a huge huge benefit for us. But we are so we, we do feel so flaky week to week. Um, our game is very much dependent on whether Chris Long or decides he's going to turn up on a particular day. And I, I don't mean that in a, in a dismissive way. I think he's a very good player, but I think you're quite right that he. Uh, like like Cole and, and like what to a degree sometimes they're just not on their day or it's just not quite working their particular style of play doesn't necessarily lend itself to scrapping throughout a game um, all of them offer something um, on some days they offer just a little bit more uh, but we it's, it's interesting that we seem to have just sort of stuck to the picked a system and stick, stuck to it um, whether it's just a case of it that's been quite positive just now under the sort of end of Robinson's reign it kind of felt that we shifted left or we shifted a lot of things and shifted a lot of pieces around, around the pitch in order to try and make something happen it just wasn't really going to happen Alexander talking about next season saying that he's he's very much expecting to have a, a smaller squad our squad this year is absolutely ridiculous I think we've played 36, 37 deep players or something which is just ridiculous I mean Added another, I think, for his first start, Sam Foley on the weekend as well, who again was very reasonable and kind of highlighted one of the players that we've been missing all season long and just having a guy in central midfield who's just not doing daft things. Um, I thought he had a very good game, but he's not really going to... I would be surprised if Sam Foley could play 40 games next season, so I think we're going to have to find a, an alternative option for that. 
it's going to be a big summer for us um, going forward. The fact that we are safe with games games in hand it was kind of a big surprise given how things were looking to be as safe and as comfortable as we are and still playing reasonably well. You, you, you trick yourself into a sense of optimism for next season and forget the fact that the majority of guys or a, a large number of the guys that are here this season that have made the season so disappointing are going to still be here next year as well <laughs> so you can fool yourself into that but but, but as much as I mean you're, you've been even even in recent months you've been fairly critical of this Muller team like sorry even in recent weeks yeah but fundamentally like if you're talking about the form since Alexander took over so, so even if it is the same players do you not do you not think you, you can get the same out of them next season? Certainly for me, I'm not I'm not expecting that Muller will be anywhere near the bottom next season. I, I don't think they're you know, I don't think they're going to suddenly be challenging for third or anything unless, you know, the, the, the signings go a way different to what what we expect from Alexander. I expect kind of he's a manager who you expect to finish like sixth to eighth in the league like his entire career. Like it just seems like very much like what he is from from everything you see from Muller, but at the moment, that's that's not the worst thing. No, not at all. It, it, there are a lot of questions to be answered. Um, starting and just in 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 between the sticks, we need to find out whether Carson's going to be back, whether he's fit to play a full season, whether Kelly's going to return. Certain half, we've got big issues, and that Gallagher, who on paper is our best certain half, best certain half. Um, it seems like McGinley has forced himself into the team and he's going to be keeping his spot there as well, which I'm quite happy with. He's a very reasonable and very decent player. Midfield, we're going to be losing a lot of bodies up top. We'll presumably retain, or Tony Watts under contract, we're hoping to retain Cole. Jake Hasty stays, don't know. Um, Chris Long stays, don't know. There's, there's a, in a lot of positions, there's a lot of questions to be asked. That said, a core of guys like McGinley, guys like Tony Watt, there's a, a real a, Stephen O'Donnell, guys who are sensible, good professionals uh, going into next season, leaves us in a hopefully in a, in a better sort of mentality, certainly um, going into next season. There's, this season, there have been broadly no, with, with a couple of exceptions, there's no great questions about the quality of, that we have in, in the team, but there has seemed to be something a little bit off in terms of chemistry or mentality throughout the season. There seems to have sorted. The thing with O'Donnell as well is though, like it's not unrealistic he has a really good Euros and then somebody comes in and buys him because this kind of thing happens all the time. Like it was um I was the one I would remember it was the guy Gabra Selassie from um Czech Republic who played really well at Euro twenty twelve and like all of a sudden like everybody was wanting him and he went from like a, a nobody to, to being that and then it was um the USA fullback that Spurs signed. Um he's I think he's still kicking about in England. I forget the, the guy's name. Um, I would see Edlin, but it's not. Yeah, no, that's what I meant. Yeah, it was him. The, these types of guys, like, it's very easy to just have two or three good games at a, Euro, a major tournament, and and suddenly it's like uh, other teams are are, are you know, all over you. Um, should Gary Breen getting linked with Barcelona after a World Cup was uh, was it the, the pinnacle of that? But but yeah. So that that's the model perspective from the Kelly perspective. Everything everything hinges essentially on these two games or potentially four games. I've no doubt Tommy Wright is the right manager to keep Kelly very safe in the Premiership. If if we stay up, I've not got huge worries about next season because he's got more or less a blank canvas. He can basically keep the players he wants to keep and get rid of nearly the rest of the squad if he wants, which I think is going to be the right approach. But And, and to be honest, he'll be the right manager if we do go down as well in the sense that he knows how to win football games and stuff like that. But it, it's it's 
probably a pivotal month in the club's future, not even month, three weeks in the club's future in the sense that we have the chance to establish ourselves, continue to establish ourselves in the Premiership or I say three years minimum in the Championship. It could be longer than that. I don't imagine a team like Kelly has has much chance of bouncing straight back. It's possible we would probably finish in the playoffs, but it's a difficult league to get back out of when you're not a massive club. Even when you are a massive club, to be honest, it it, it happens. So I think my gut is now telling me we're going to end up in the playoffs. Um, I think I think we'll win one of the last two games and that will probably get us into the playoffs. But um, what happens when we're there and we, place what I th- we face what I think will be Dundee? I don't know. Because they, I think we're a better team than them, but they've got good players and they've got dangerous players, and it's it's going to be a real whatever the playoff is. It's going to be interesting because it's always interesting. But um, I think I think Kilmarnock v Dundee would be a, a quite um, quite intriguing affair. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, so we'll move on to the the top six games, and we'll start off with one of my favourite things, uh, which is a Scottish Premiership hoodoo. Um, given that teams play each other three or four times a season, the fact that teams can go through lengthy runs um, without winning games against a particular team is always very entertaining to me. Um, like us not, like Motherwell not losing to Aberdeen for like a four-year period or something like that. But um, St Johnston or Hibernian not beating St Johnston at Easter Road since 2012, and I realise part of that's because Hibs are relegated, um, and that's the, the that's part of the reason. Well, that's their that. fault. That's their fault. This is she shouldn't have it fucking relegated. If, if, if you stayed up, you'd have more chances to beat St Johnston at Easter Road. Exactly. Um, but I, I love these. I love these little um, these ones that sort of stick out as real outliers there. Um, and a sort of semi-rotated St Johnston side with Elliot Parish and goals scudding Hibs won nothing at Easter Road. Um, I know you said on the podcast, or you said in the group chat a while ago that. St Johnston were the, the third best team in the country. Um, the, the only thing, the only sort of argument I'd make, I think you said it was third best. The only argument I'd make is that they might be the second best team in the country. You, you've, you've, stole, you've stolen what my line was going to be. It's the first thing I wrote down in my notes. As I said last week, St Johnston were, were the third best, and um, you know I'm going to revise that because um, on the basis of this weekend, they could be the second best. Um, someone that last week I meant to comment on in the, the performance against Rangers was Michael Halloran when he came on as a sub. I thought he, he had a massive impact in the game and I, I didn't really get around to saying that. He started this game and you saw from the off again, um, immediately big impact on the game. And a guy who I think probably won't be at St. Johnston next season, I think they've got they've got other options in that position, but a prem- he should stay in the Premiership. Like I know he's, not, he's maybe not had his best Two years, to be honest, but he's definitely good enough for this level, and, and you, you can see that. He, he, you know, you talk about Martin Boyle and what he does to defenders. Obviously, he's not as good as Martin Boyle, but he had the same impact there. He's quite physically strong, and he, he runs at people, and defenders don't know how to deal with him. Um, and then Glenn Middleton, who is a player, I think when he busts through for Rangers, is, you look like this, this guy, is, you know, and then. Is, I was going to say, is this the first time he's done something particular? I know he had a very good game against uh, Celtic at uh, uh, mid as well, but is this the first time that Glenn Middleton has done something of particular note since he absolutely tore apart the Moscow right-hand side? Yeah, I was going to say, did he not score the goal that put them in the top six? Or am I mixed? No, but, oh, I saw it. Would been but but he, that, was as a, that was as a sub as well, and... Um, and after missing a, a guilt-edge chance to do the same beforehand, but, but yeah, he... he 
definitely a talented player, but I think attitude has maybe been his problem. And if he's finally found somewhere where they can kind of sort that out, it might be it might be wise for him to try and stick about there rather than going back to Rangers, to be honest. I don't think he's got a future at Rangers at all. I think there's about 20 players at Rangers, so you could say that for who are mostly out on loan at the moment. Um, and, and he's definitely one of them. We can't comment on that goal without... Um, Without without oh, having look, a weekly an assist, it's an assist. You've got to give credit to the assist. It's a defence splitting pass. Our weekly Ryan Porteous debate, and it's it's. I don't understand. Like you can talk about Porteous, he does fancy himself as you know a footballing defender and you know pinging passes and stuff like that, but. I think I talked about this before. When you're under pressure, when you've already nearly made a mistake. Don't double down when you've already nearly made a mistake. When you've already nearly fucked up, don't 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 back, don't back down. Double down. <laughs> he doubled. He doubled down to to quite fantastic consequences. Uh, it was a nice finish from Middleton. Like he took it. He took it um, before um, Marciano could really react to it, um, which was quite nice. And and so yeah, there's credit there, but it's just it's a sort of reason you know when and we have this kind of. Permanent. There's about three main topics that I think get covered on the um, on the terrace uh, WhatsApp group, which is Craig Fowler's prediction that that our statement that Hearts were the, the fifth or sixth best team in the country. The endless debate about whether Ryan Portis will be playing in the English Premier League or in Scottish League Two in like three years' time. Um, and I've now forgotten what the third one is. But um, anyway, the, the, those two, we'll, we'll stick with those two. Um, and Gary Cocker uh, typos for every single footballer's <laughs> name in history. That was the third one. Uh, those are the three main kind of topics. Uh, a little peek, peek behind the curtain there. But Portis, uh, that, that was very much a, a swing towards the playing part-time football and, uh, and working in a brickage yard or something in, um, in three years' time. It's yeah, it's it's just a sign of the sort of thing that he does all too regularly to be considered, for example, for a Scotland squad and things like that. Whereas if he can just cut a little bit of that out of the game, the things that he does so well, the things that make him, you know, be talked about in those those terms in the first place, could stand out a lot more without him um, kind of constantly blotting his copybook. Yeah, and I'm I'm fully on board with Ryan Paul just going on and being the guy. I'm I lean on the side of I think he'll do quite good. I think he'll do quite I think he'll do quite good. Fucking hell, Graham. I think he'll do quite well in his career. Um, and I hope he does quite well in his career because for all the 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 endless argument that Scotland only produces physical footballers, we don't really have that many physical centre halves. Uh, certainly not in the same way that Portis is physical and aggressive and that's what I want a Scotland centre-half to be, That's to, to me that's a centre-half that we are missing and I do desperately hope that it's him because he seems like a great laugh um, and in addition he has the raw attributes for that as well but again, coming back to, to St Johnston and kind of quite how good they have been um, what I'm curious about going forward is that all of the big results they've had this season, and they've had a lot, and they've, they've obviously won the League Cup already. Uh, they turned over Hibs without breaking a sweat in the semi-finals of that, which was it was one of the most impressive performances of the season for me. And that they just didn't—they they were not phased by anything whatsoever within it as well. Callum Davidson has has put together a very very competent footballing squad that's very interesting team to watch as well and we saw at the weekend that he can change some bits and pieces out of that and then they, they, they remain a good footballing side they remain a good team 
built on the sort of the the, the solidity of the back three of Caird, Gordon, and McCart, and then everything beyond that all, all sort of plays around that as well. And what I'm curious is going forward is that in all of the big results that they've had, um, and obviously with their win at Ibrox last weekend as well, they've always been the underdog for all of these. Um, going into the Scottish Cup semi-finals, I don't think it's unfair to say that St Johnston are the favourites going into the semi-finals to win the Scottish Cup, which is a different proposition. It's a different thing you're being asked. Even in the, the League Cup final, you could ask 100 people, and it, to be honest, I think it would have been split down the middle in terms of whether they thought Livingston or St Johnston were going to win the final. They certainly weren't favourites for it, and it's just a different mentality. It's a different thing to be asked going into that as well, and I'm very curious to see. Well, I mean, presumably they, they, they'll just do the same things and ignore it because, I mean, they, they don't need to listen to anybody else and who anyone else is the favourite for it. But the expectation is now there in, in a way that it possibly wasn't for the League Cup and, and hasn't been for the League for a big chunk of the season as well. Um, I do still think they'll go and win the Scottish Cup. I think they will do the double and I think it's an absolutely remarkable achievement. And I think regardless of whether they even make the Scottish Cup final, Davidson's my manager of the season. Um, I, I think he thoroughly deserves that accolade as a, a manager and he's in his first season in management to do what he's done while not actually doing a huge adding a huge amount to St Johnston's squad there's a, there's a handful of bodies he's brought in but what he's do what he has done is make the absolute most of what he's got to his disposal and done it very very well but the thing is like, you, you can you can see he's obviously built on what was a very solid um kind of spine or a solid kind of you know he, he didn't take over a club in crisis or anything of the sort he's no. taken over a team where, where Tommy Wright's had had them basically performing exactly you know at that end of the table for such a long time but he did put his own stamp on it straight away he went with the back three and he, and he more or less stuck to his guns with it he had a couple of kind of times where he he, he moved out he moved into a four and stuff like that but he's he's always gone back to the three it took a long time to work and now that it works it really works and so I think it's not you know, yeah, you can say, okay, they, yeah, they played a back three at times in the past, but they definitely didn't play a back three with this type of system where your wing backs are, are more or less they're attacking players. And, you know, you've got, it's just, it's just, I think there's been too many back threes in the league and stuff like that. And we've definitely talked about that a lot. But the two interesting, or well, there's been three tactically interesting like back three systems for me this season, which has been, um, St Johnston's one, which which I think is in, I think they're the best coach team in the country, or them and Rangers certainly. You've got the Aberdeen one, which they've briefly had under McInnes, because it was just very entertaining. While they had kind of Scott Wright playing in the hole, which I think made that team, and the fact they had the t- essentially two wingers playing wing back, and then the Hibs one because it's very very flexible. Um, everyone else that's tried to play a back three's been absolutely hopeless at it, um, but. Yeah, they're, they're just they're just a really a, every time St Johnson are playing, I want to watch them. I want to see what they're doing. I want to see, you know, they you make they make a change to the team, and you're like, oh, I wonder how that player's going to thing. And the one was it was Brown coming in um, into kind of the Sean Rooney role um, as, as I'm now going to rename right wing back. And um, again, didn't didn't miss a beat. It was just yeah, we're just going to keep playing the same way. I think it's a good point you make about them not being favourites for next or sorry being favourites for next week. But I think what they've got is a fantastic attitude in the squad. I don't think you, I don't think they've got players who that will go to their head. Like I, it doesn't seem like it to me. It seems like they're they're a they're a very level headed group. So I I don't see it affecting them. They might lose. They they, they might lose, but I don't think it will be because they don't turn up. It might just be because a Smithing team that we know are capable of bringing in a performance might 
finally do it for the first time in a couple of months. Good. So we'll move on to Aberdeen uh, against Livingston, uh, which I've just realised I've spelt both Aberdeen wrong and it's got the score wrong in my notes. But Is it ABRDN or whatever they were calling no, that? Capital no, company. Got, for some reason, I've got three E's in it. Um, and I, for some reason, I've got the Livingston one, but they did not. Um, of course, Aberdeen won at the Tony Macaroni. Um, and I, I hope I'm not alone in this, but I'm really delighted to see Ryan Hedges back because for me, he's one of the most entertaining players in the league to watch. Um, obviously, Aberdeen's form has been very, very poor, both goal scoring uh, and on entertainment value. Anything uh, else? Um, so, Hedges back in the side is is great for great for Aberdeen and great for people watching the league as well. Uh, Livingston remain thoroughly odd, and Callum Hendry might be something. Um, I was confused at the time um, this, uh, as Callum Hendry became a hot commodity in January, given that he looked okay. Foster Johnston, um, they didn't seem particularly foster him heading on, um, but now that he is at Aberdeen, he he seems to be scoring all sorts of different types of goals. Which is every time you see a, a Scottish centre forward doing something like that, you immediately get a wee bit excited because maybe then maybe he's the guy. Don't know, but we'll see. What I imagine we'll find out. Yeah. He's certainly an interesting player. He's a, I think he's not he's not the most cultured footballer, uh, Henry. I think he. But, but you don't always need to be. It, it does have a knack generally of kind of stuff happening around about him in the box, um, and, and that includes scoring goals at times. And I, I think they could do worse than keeping him. Like I think he, he I, I mean, we were talking very glowingly about him in the kind of tail end Easton Johnston days, and then it just really didn't happen there at all for him this season. Um, to to the point of like I don't think they, they really were bothered when when he left in January, obviously, and, and they had they were right not to be, um, to be honest, but. At the same time, if 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 Aberdeen can you know pay a wee fee or, or send send a player down to Perth or whatever to to make this permanent, I think they probably should because out of the three forwards they've signed, he's the only one that, that to me has really showed up. Um, and I mean, Hornby showed up and then left again. Um, he, yeah, Hornby's just not very good. Uh, he's he's not he's not got it uh, for um, me. <laughs> but the the thing, yeah, the thing with with Hendry is that yeah. He feels like a late developer. He is a late developer because you think he's already like 22, 23 or something like that, but he still he still feels very raw. And and he's he, he's a very interesting player, but he does offer a dimension. He, he offer he's more similar to Cosgrove than any of the others in the sense that he he rumbles people about. He doesn't just, you know, he, he he doesn't shirk away from from a battle at that end of the park. And I think Aberdeen, for as long as I can remember, have had someone at the top end of the park who was a pain in the arse and, and he's very much in that <laughs> in that category. And I think they, they were value for this win. I, I think it was two two fairly poor teams. I don't think it was a it was a um it wasn't a I mean, classic like, no. Yeah and Livingston Livingston have have basically uh, since that run ended, like the first result that ended that run seems to have just totally toppled the season to the point where They'll obviously play the play St. Johnston on the last day, but you'd be now be surprised if they, they, they finish ahead of St. Johnston. They, they, they look certain to finish sixth, which is um is a surprise the way it was going for them. And I think Emmanuel Thomas is the only thing that's kind of keeping their um keeping them interesting, to be honest, this season. And, and it, he had a tremendous finish um for after the one that you mentioned from Hedges. Um and it, it's hard to know. Obviously, it's still a successful season because when when Martindale came in or sorry took over as manager, um, 
they looked like they were in danger of going down. And as it is, they got to a cup final and, um, and are nowhere near going down and, and could still qualify for Europe. It's, it's much less likely than it was, but it's still still possible. Um, so, so yeah, it's not been a failure, but there must be worries about where it's heading for Livingston. Yeah. Um, if, you know, given what they've been like since sort of February time. As, as last season ended, you looked at the squad and you had... Guys like particularly, and the most obvious one is Lyndon Dykes in there, who is a guy of, he was just a guy of quality. And looking at the squad at the end of this season, there are guys in there who are good players, um, but there's nobody of that either sellable quality. Um, and it doesn't really feel massively like there's somebody of that buildable quality either. It kind of re- feels like it's reached the end of the line um, for that. Um, and I'm not entirely sure what they do with that. They, it feels like they've got a lot of bodies there, and it feels like they, they need a bit of a clear it and a bit of a refresh um, and it'll be interesting to see what they do in the summer certainly um, I just wanted to highlight one other thing as well which is Lewis Ferguson's block slash tackle uh, at the very end of the game as well which uh, Lewis Ferguson is is what you want and this is a similar sort of vein to Alan Campbell is just what you want a central midfielder in your team to be and a game which you're scrapping and holding on a, holding on a lead and he's on his arse in the six yard box just kicking at it just yeah. I've got the block in and I'm just going to keep kicking at it until there's not a chance anymore and I, it was absolutely brilliant I was, yeah, it was, I think... while, while, while Hedges goal was very very good in the game my highlight of the game was Lewis Ferguson just kicking snapping away yeah, I don't expect him to still be at Pataudry next season but I expect that they'll and in and, and some sense it's weird to say I feel like Scott Brown's going to be replacing him do you know what I mean like it feels yeah. like that's and um, it's, it is a weird thing to say but um, I expect Ferguson he's ambitious you already saw that from the you know he was happy to to leave Ackies to, to go to Aberdeen in the first place I don't think I don't think he'll be hanging around if, if he is he'll not be there more than more than another year but I think he'll probably probably head south um, or, or somewhere else and try and make something of it um, I think just just the family he's from and stuff like that, you know, he's he's, he's very well connected. There will be people putting a word in for him all over the place. He will he will find it a lot easier to make a move than, than other players will. And I think he's got he's got there are there are weaknesses in his game or there are areas that he, he can still improve on, we'll put it that way. Um, I think in terms of the, the kind of culture side of his game, he's not bad at it, but he can probably improve a little bit on, you know, passing and, and all of these kind of technical things and probably a wee bit of um decision-making in the final third. I think, you know, awareness of what's going on around about him and all that, because I think he can be... He tries he tries the kind of simple or tries the kind of um, brute force option quite a lot, but um, if he can pick up that wee little bit of guile and stuff like that, but he's still... He's capable of that. You know, he's an intelligent player. There's a lot... There's a high ceiling for what he can do, and, and I think it would be the right time to make a move and maybe, maybe challenge himself a little bit and, you know, maybe go somewhere where he's not going to always get a game where he has to he has to work to develop his game and I think he's got it in him to do that so I think this I think this will be it for him at Pataudry but um, it, it'll be interesting to, to see what happens Absolutely and that takes us on to the final game of the weekend a game with absolutely nothing riding on it other than a bit of bragging and Celtic still managed to absolutely fuck it Um it, oh, how felt, the turntables have turned. <laughs> it felt a lot like those uh, Rangers Celtic games when Warburton, Marty, Kite, Sheena were in charge, where, with, like, with the roles reversed, obviously, where Celtic, they didn't play that badly. It wasn't like you would point at them and go, like, look at these pieces of gross incompetence. 
they did create chances. There were moments, you know, they they, they had a chance to make it um, 2-2, stuff like that, that these things that could have happened, but they didn't happen. And then a daft red card thrown in and they just eventually going to get torn apart because they're just man for man across the park. The other team are better than them, basically. And, and that's what happened there. And everything right down to kind of a goalkeeper who's not that... It, he didn't do anything wrong, but he's just not good enough. And, and you can swap Scott Bain for, for Wes Fodderingham and stuff like that. It's just all of this. There, there are so many parallels. And I think for that same reason, and I think I've started to see it happening, I think Rangers should be careful not to get ahead of themselves because it wouldn't take a lot for it to switch back around as well. Because I, I do think that they are miles better than Celtic just now, but Celtic were miles better than them 18 months ago. So there's something to be said for like, you know, obviously, I mean, I'm not saying that the Rangers fans are quite right to be in it. And and I was in the same position two years ago when your team are doing that well, you're hubristic about it and you should be, but don't, don't, it'd be very easy for complacency to set in. um, And they should enjoy this while it comes, but they should also not be, it's not for nothing. Nothing lasts forever. It nothing is going to yeah. ten in a row, right? Um, it's they've got something to build on, but I think a, a manager departure and a couple of key players going in, they could they could very much suffer the same fate again. Um, but but from this game, um, it was a very strong performance from Rangers um, midfield to front, especially. Um, I think. Ryan Kent was absolutely sensational um, throughout the game. I think it was, I can't remember who it was, somebody in the group chat was just, just gliding about, taking folk on, and it was his wee touch sending, was it Taylor, yeah. out for a hot dog as well. Just he was, he was just a cut above every other player on the part for me. He was just very, very entertaining to watch and very, very impressive. But, but yeah, I mean, beyond that, Roof, who's maybe not, maybe not had the best last few months or last couple of months anyway but but he, he got two goals and probably probably could have had more than that and, and was really quite impactful on the game um, Davis again just a a guy that has age to keep playing the way he's playing we've always known he's a clever player and, and, and all of that and, and very much one of these binding players that really pulls a team together when he's playing the team are better and as a whole it's just that kind of ability to hold everything together but yeah you look through that Rangers team um, Alan McGregor has, has pulls off a couple of really great saves at important moments and then you go to the other side and Celtic players too many mistakes too many daft decisions too many like pieces of rashness right from the start they did not have enough in the middle of the park they were getting walked through and that was because you had um the front of the the the, the, mid, the three of El Unice, Turnbull and Forrest were too high up. They were, they were far too close to Edward, which left McGregor and Brown very exposed. And then Brown on his own, very exposed after that, with Turnbull trying his best. And, and yet again, David Turnbull, I think, for, for being in a terrible Celtic team has, has stood out in, the, in certainly the last uh, the last couple of firm games, probably before that as well. But um, just in terms of his, his sheer ability on the ball. But yeah, they were they were exposed before the red card, and then after the red card, that was only that was only kind of intensified, because actually the, at the other end of the park, that four were causing Rangers some bother. Like uh, Jack Simpson had the torrid afternoon, to be honest, considering he was in a team that won four one, 
I'm not sure about them, but we've probably said we weren't sure about some of the other players that they've signed who've then gone on to, to do quite well. So you don't want to write them off yet. But it was a very curious game, I think, in the sense that Rangers won 4 1 and will still have some things to be negative about. And I don't think Celtic will still have like the odd positive here and there, um, but mostly negatives because they were shit. I really, really, really enjoyed what's a 39 year old Jermaine Defoe uh, putting. Uh, Welsh on his ass and making him look very, very like at no point with the photo bearing down on him did Welsh look at any point look like he was going to win that ball or win the challenge or take the ball off him or defend it. Just as soon as you saw the foe bearing down on it, it's a goal straight, straight, straight away. Absolutely no hesitation. He will, he is going to struggle here, and Rangers are about to score again unless the foe puts it over the bar or something. But yeah, it was. It was one-sided um, as well. To, to me, uh, while Celtic were good uh, in bits and pieces, Rangers had them at arm's length and I was actually kind of surprised they didn't go and run up the score because for me it was there to be done um, and Rangers just seemed to be show, like, almost showboating and quite happy with just the fact that like, we're comfortably ahead of you, we're keeping you at arm's length and we're, we're, we're doing fine. But that rounds off the weekend's premiership action. Uh, we are off to record a Patreon as well, which is available for £2 a month, uh, where I'm pretty sure I'm going to embarrass myself really badly um, doing a quiz about Motherwell. Um, so do tune in and find out how little I know about the team that I spend far too much time talking about. Um, and yeah, do enjoy that. Uh, thanks so much for your time today, Craig. Thank you very much, Graham, and thank you to all of the listeners who um, are listening to this for some reason. <laughs> magic uh, we'll hear you all soon the guys will be back on Thursday there's £5 Patreon content going out every day uh, so do get in touch if you're enjoying it or not enjoying it um, enjoy the rest of your season and goodbye bye Craig bye Sports Social Podcast Network